You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. So, Eric, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? This was I'm awesome. Th- this is the second time we've recorded this episode, just so everybody has some backstory here. They're going to know how much we care about this topic, and it's one of your favorites, budgets. Um, you know, we've gotten a number of inquiries about, you know, sharing some more details on our budget. And, you know, the fact that we've had these recent conversations about withdrawal rate really, I think, makes it an ideal time to, you know, dig in a little bit more and and discuss how we do or don't budget. So I'm so excited to talk about budgets, man. (laughs) I really are. I I do remember you telling me uh, about 18 months before you um, stepped away from the workplace and stepped into RE that you were doing a pretty granular budget. And I'm actually suddenly starting to see the wisdom of that. Now, I'm I'm probably more than 18 months out on my my fire date. But, you know, the beginning of this year, it was supposed to be exactly 18 months. Um, You know, as I look back, the last time I really did a budget was kind of big life pivot point for me when I started the business 10 years yeah. ago. And that kind of set the the course for me. And so I can see the value here. It's not something I check in day to day, but you have a framework for this and you had a very detailed budget before you stepped into RE. So why don't you set up how you and I created these budgets, which we're going to share with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I, for one, would like to give you credit for really starting to dig into the budgets a little more. No one finds this exciting, or at least very few people, myself included, by the way. I don't okay. think it's exciting. I thought you liked it. But I find it helpful. That's where the, the nice comes in. But, uh, you know, we also wanted to make sure that this was relatable and everyone's circumstances are different. Um, and so, like we've done in the past, we thought about defining a model portfolio of $2 million dollars a withdrawal rate of about 3% or $60,000 a year. And that would give us $5,000 a month to work with as a budget. And so what you and I did was uh, basically scale our actual budgets. We went through and captured everything um, and scaled them to this withdrawal rate, this $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year, and used the same categories to make it much easier to compare uh, side to side. Because as it turns out, a lot of people think about and categorize these things differently. So I think that was a really great suggestion you had. Uh, so maybe just briefly, uh, what are those four big categories? So the first, fixed expenses. These are those boring must-haves. We all have to deal with commitments, you know, ones that are you know static or they really don't change a lot. You know, mortgages, utilities, insurance, you know, things like that. Variable expenses. I think for both of us, we decided this was really kind of like shopping. These things move around a lot, but you know, you always got to buy groceries, home goods, buy new clothes, etc. Um, the third category, something you and I have talked about a lot uh, on two sides of Phi, is sinking funds. Uh, these are the you know um, money we put aside and build up over time for irregular, but you know definitely eventual expenses. Some of these are awesome things like vacation. Some of these are necessary, like medical uh, expenses out of pocket, pets. Uh, taking care of your cars, you know, maybe even future car purchases back to the positive side. Um, but you know, setting aside money for that. And lastly, things that are wholly discretionary, right? Those things we would never want to cut, but they're the easiest to cut in, you know, when times are tough. Um, this is fun stuff like, you know, dining out at restaurants, entertainment, uh, alcohol, bars, you know, any kind of fun stuff. Um, so that's where we started. And uh, yeah, hopefully that makes sense to people. Are these categories correlated with your original budget or is this just a much more sort of streamlined categorization? 
they actually are very similar. I, I used to have, even at a high level, a little bit more granularity, um, you know, things that were kind of scheduled payments I had lined up a certain way. And I think a lot of that, honestly, Eric, had to do with just the fact that I was using You Need a Budget uh, software, YNAB, many people call it. And that was sort of a, you know, kind of built into how people tend to use that tool to think about it that way. These days, I collapsed it, um, you know, at some prodding by you, to be totally honest, into a little more streamlined set of categories. And then for each of these top level, um, you know, classifications, there's essentially, you know, a number of, you know, more granular line items as well. Okay. So I think it'd be helpful just to look at each one of the categories and say, okay, you know, do some comparative analysis here. Um, so if we think about the, the different categories, fixed expenses, Percentage-wise in the budget, where do you sit here for your fixed expenses? Yeah, so this will be one of our biggest differences, right? Uh, right. I chose to hold a mortgage uh, post-RE, and so that means my fixed expenses are, are really 34% of my uh, entire uh, monthly spend or on a $5,000 budget, about $1,700. Okay, great. So, yeah, comparatively, mine are 31%, uh, 1550 as part of a $5,000 a month budget. And I think the differences here um, are, obviously I don't have a mortgage, um, but I think my medical premiums are accounted for a little bit differently. I have a larger family. And this is one area where, as I started digging into the budget, I really learned a lot about what my future expenses oh. are gonna be in, in RE. And I should say, if you are listening on the podcast, go to the YouTube channel, hit that like and subscribe button. And also you'll get to see all of this on the screen. This is maybe a little bit hard to listen to. We're gonna make these budgets available so you can see the sort of differences between the two and maybe use it to structure your own. Um, we'll also have these posted in the show notes on twosidesofi.com so you can look for all of that there. As we drill into the exact category. So in this category, I have essentially, so I have medical premiums, I have kind of utilities, I have insurance, taxes, and then there's a college line item, which I realize is probably another point of difference between you and I. When we were talking uh, before this episode, it was pretty clear that these uh, healthcare premiums were one of the biggest areas of uncertainty for you, which is not surprising at all because clearly it's where a lot of people struggle. I sure know I did, but when I think about you, you've got added complexity because you've got you know, various income streams, passive and otherwise, that may continue for some period of time. So how are you thinking about that in the context of your budget? Yeah, I I quickly realized, Jay, going on the Maine's um, ACA exchange, you know, they have a website, just go on there, plug in your information for your size family, and then you start looking at different plans and what the premiums are, and also, you know, like what the coverages are and all these, it's very complicated, right? And there's the, the costs add up very, very quickly. And so I just did a couple of different assumptions here, and I'm really trying to conservatively plan out like, okay, well, maybe it could cost up to this much. And so this is really... Um, it's, it's actually in red in my budget because it's just kind of a placeholder. I don't really know what this is going to be. So if the business continues to earn out, I'm going to use treat this as a business expense. You know, I'm, Laura and I are going to be working together and we'll, you know, we'll pay for it through the business. Um, it's accounted for in here as a placeholder. That's all yeah. I can say for now. Does that make sense? It makes good sense. And, you know, I like the idea and I, I did this in my first budgets as well of saying, here's kind of worst case. 
And we even talked about this yeah. in uh, our much earlier episode about healthcare, and we can link that in the show notes, where I was you know, planning for no subsidy at all, just not knowing what my income was going to look like, if yeah. I was going to do occasional consulting. And so I did what I called worst case modeling was this level of healthcare with no subsidy whatsoever. And that has not proven to be the case, but you know, I certainly feel better that I went big in my budgets to make sure that I wasn't surprised in, a, in the bad way. It just highlights how managing income in retirement is, you know, it's a tricky calculus here. Um, yeah. If you're trying to qualify for a subsidy or you don't care about that, or you're trying to meet a low end income so that you're not on Medicaid, right? Right. Um, it's, it, it becomes complex very quickly. And I think it's, it's great to have this kind of framework so that you can start moving the chess pieces around and look at what these different figures would mean to your overall budget. Cause I guarantee um, it's going to be a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's certainly in, in our budgets, one of the most important things to consider. I think when I look at my budget fixed expenses, yep. you know, barring the mortgage that I already mentioned, and that's right. my all in cost with insurance and property taxes as well. Everything else is pretty straightforward. It's things we all have utilities, car insurance, etc. You know, this category doesn't really change for me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same way. I, I, where I do see it changing is in the insurance right now. I have two teenage boys and yeah. our insurance here in Maine went up 40% this year oh, and wow. uh, combined with an accident for one of them, unfortunately. Um, it, it's, so I do see that one changing a little bit. Um, and then the, I also did have a college line item in here, Jay, and I, I have that in there for a, a fixed period of time because we're going to be paying for college out of pocket um, sort of for the first couple of years. And so I just wanted to account for that. And that's a significant, um, line item in there. Yeah, it's a good point. I haven't put a line item in here for college. I mean, we're relying on the 529 funding being sufficient based sure. on the types of schools that our teen is now targeting. If that proves to be wrong, uh, my budget's going to have to change because it's not set up for that right now. Yeah. I mean, I think all of this is just about knowing the situation and making some baseline plan for it. And you guys planned for 529s way in advance of us. We got started way late just because we never thought we could ever be able to afford it. And so now we're having to kind of scramble a little bit on the back end and seeing that the 529s are, you know, they took a hit like everyone else's did. And, um, sure. you know, during the during COVID and this sort of recent recession here. And, you know, it makes more sense probably just to, to fund it out of, po out of the budget spend um, rather than cashing in the 529s. Just save those till the end of the college years. So I think this is just a temporary plan, but it does kind of, mean, I guess it's another chess piece to move into another category at some future point. So do we want to talk about our variable expenses? How do you, how do you think about those? Yeah, uh, that, that's a good next step. As I mentioned, I really think about these as, as just shopping and the, these yep. normal expenses, they move around different vendors and types of expenses based on what we're doing, but they're always there and they're always important. And this is an example of an area that I used to track at a pretty granular level because I was interested in the idea of where the different money is going, groceries versus other expenses. Um, it has stayed fairly consistent. It's around 22% of my budget right now or about $1,100 uh, in this model. Um, but when I simplified my budget, I really took away a lot of that tracking. And so that's why there's no breakdown 
in my budget on this because while I track it closely at a top level, I don't really drill down. But this is largely about groceries, clothes shopping, um, you know, home goods, uh, things like that. Yeah, cool. Hey, we're at the same exact percentage, man. 22%, 1100 of the 5000 goes to variable expenses. So maybe, uh, maybe my grocery bill is higher than yours, but I'm not shopping at Target as much. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. I think the uh, Target and uh, Amazon uh, bills that uh, somebody in this household incurs, it might be higher than yours. <laughs> Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi. If you've been listening to Jason and I on the podcast, you may not be aware that we also have a YouTube channel. And quite often, we have supporting graphics, charts, information, and even a few outtakes that don't fit well in an audio format. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can find us on YouTube at Two Sides of Fi. No all right. It all evens out. Yeah, it's funny when I when you know you gave me a hassle about my uh, grocery spend a little bit, and and, um, and it's something I'm paying attention to. It's it's uh, man, it's higher than I want it to be. But it's funny when my son went out off to college last fall, I got to see the grocery bill just kind of tank way down because we spend everything on our credit card. So at the end of the year, the way that we look at these expenses and, you know, it's, it's some moderate level of tracking, but we can group it all and we can see, okay, you know, this is where the money's going and, um, and you can map it out month by month. I don't know if that's how you're tracking these variable expenses or if you just have a, do you have a different means of doing that? Is it all? Yeah, I actually love that method and I definitely used it years ago. And for people who are afraid of budgeting or never done it before. I think it's an awesome place to start, especially if you're using like one credit card, you yes. know, your rewards card or whatever, because they do a lot of the hard work for you. And then you can, you know, start there. And it's a, it's a good kind of baseline. I still use, you need a budget, you know, YNAB, the budget oh, program okay. I use, I'll link to it in the show notes, but, um, I can just search by vendor and there's a couple of heavy hitters in there, like, you know, our grocery store, <laughs> Target, Amazon. And that gives me a, a really good kind of cut of the top expenses. And of course, there's a long tail from there. But I do look at them and see how they trend over the year. That gives us something to think about. If we see something trending up and we're not really sure why, it's really quick to go in there and look at it. But it's not something we spend a lot of energy on at our house as long as we are kind of staying within limits. Yeah, totally. And it's actually just a real accounting of what you're spending. As long as, I mean, there's very few yeah. spends of hours that don't go on the credit card. And so looking back at that, you know, you, you know how you can say, well, we real, we spend roughly X dollars a month, but the reality is like some months are just, you know, you got to buy a set of four tires for the car or what, yeah. you know, something you got to replace your washing machine or something like that. And I don't know where this starts to interface and overlap with sinking funds, but um, maybe that's not a bad transition point. Cause I think you're thinking, you think about think sinking funds a little bit different than I do. You want to just kind of paint the broad brush of what sinking funds are to you? Sure. And uh, I'm interested in this section because I want to know if any of the changes I've made over the year, last year have brought us closer together or farther apart in how we think about these. <laughs> For me, uh, I think about this is making sure we have enough money to fund these things that come at times during the year or maybe even down the road longer term. But we don't want to be surprised when they pop up. We want to make sure we have money. We don't have to you know, draw down more than we were planning. I like to keep that pretty regular myself for anything but enormous expenses, right, that you can't even plan for. So things like vacation, you know, just, uh, you know, making sure that we're putting enough money aside, if you will, every month into this bucket. So that when trips come up, we're ready to have – the money is there. It's part of my cash allocation effectively. Okay. And I can fund them. Yeah. And so um, 
you know, some of these are a little more defined than others, right? Like, like uh, medical out of pocket. This is one I want to talk about for sure. Cause I know that we've had discussions about this and we do differ. Uh, you know, it's about looking at what I've spent out of pocket in medical for the last few years and just deciding, well, this is an average. Maybe I will put this much aside every month to make sure when those medical bills come, we're just ready to pay them, um, barring any big surprise expenses. How so, do you think about them? Is that different? Well, I wanted to ask you, so, so first of all, the overall category represents what percentage of your budget? Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's exactly the same as variable expenses. For me, it's 22% or about $1,100 in this mock budget. Okay. So it's lower than mine. Mine's at 34%. Mine's at yeah. 1700 out of 5,000. So, um, how I think about this is is evolving, I would say, okay. because and I'll say the the initial take that I had on this, especially with respect to medical costs here was, you know, if I look at a maximum out of pocket for a family, twice what the individual out of pocket maximum is, let's just say it's right. around fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars a year. OK, and it, it's going to vary with whatever plan you have. But do you take that and then just subdivide that into 12 little chunks and that's your monthly sinking fund. Uh, well, yeah. The most conservative way would be to do that. Right. And, and then, but then, you know, you encouraged me to think, well, I mean, are you going to have bad year after bad year after bad year? And, and I mean, maybe, uh, you know, so yeah, the most conservative plan would plan for that. But also what if you leverage an HSA, isn't an HSA supposed to backstop that in some ways? So you could fund it, fully fund it, in the first year, well, I don't know how much you can put in HSA uh, per year, 7,500? Uh, I actually forget what this year's number is. I think that might be right. Um, I already like did that. my funding and I know it's, uh, it's over 7,200, which was last year's, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, at a certain point, you're going to be able to cover that expense, even in an emergency, right? But, you know, as you have, you know, marched now through a couple of years of retirement, you have a better idea of what your actual spend is. Um, and then you also have a contingency for covering some more catastrophic event where you're going to be reaching maximum out of pocket in the family. So could you just talk about that? Because my first budget was like, okay, take that maximum out of pocket, divide by 12. And yep. it made it huge. And so I've since reduced that to, you know, quite a bit less. It's 9% of the total. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I view this as a balancing act between worst case scenarios and knowing that with a two year cash out cash allocation, even if I absolutely didn't want to touch my portfolio, i.e. sell things for, you know, to when emergencies come up, I've got cash cushion there to work with. And so I've right. decided for the for the time being, I just literally look at the average of the last three or four years. Where have we come in on average and then divide that by 12 and that's what comes out every month, knowing that some months I won't spend anything like that. Some months I will spend over it. I will say um, in the last three years now since uh, RE, I've only had one expense uh, for healthcare where I needed to pull out extra money specifically because I was underfunded on my out-of-pocket medical and that was for a dental implant. Uh, and so I did take extra money out of my cash allocation. So that will be extra money I have to refill when it comes to my May, you know, mid-year um, period when I do rebalancing. But I still feel fine about that because I wasn't just pulling more money out of the portfolio as I went. So I'm not saying that's like the right way, but it's definitely the way that Lori and I have decided works for us. But is it just mental accounting essentially here? I, mean, I think so. Because <laughs> I mean, we can set all this, this money aside and in, in my budget, 34% of it, that's a significant chunk, right? So it is. I don't want to just like park that in a high yield savings account necessarily, even though interest rates are, are decent right now. Um, so it should 
maybe just sit as part of my cash allocation is what you're saying you're doing, right? If, if you're doing it in the way that I am. So yeah. for me, medical is 21% of my sinking funds, about 5% overall. And to me, that feels right. You know, maybe at this age, it's a little easier to not be super conservative right. knowing that, well, maybe it's one in six or seven years I hit my out-of-pocket max based on our past to date. Sure. Okay, I'm willing to accept that. Yeah, okay, that's cool. So, I mean, these other categories, you know, we're talking maintenance and new car and things like that. Like you, you may have things earmarked in here because you know you're gonna replace a computer every two years or whatever that is. But, you know, there is maybe some overlap with some of this variable spending, right? Like, you yeah. know, you're not yeah. necessarily gonna save up for a laptop in the, well, I mean, I, I, so, uh, fund, right? I'll put myself on the spot here. Um, when I first started uh, my budget, I did put stuff in there like that. Oh. I had a higher, I had a, a bigger car maintenance category because obviously you replace tires every so often. Yeah. And, you know, that's not, that's not inexpensive. Right. And you replace laptops every so often. And I had that stuff in there. But honestly, in the last year, I spent those down. I reallocated those funds and they're not part of my budget anymore because I've decided that things that are big ticket guaranteed items in a given year, like vacation, that should be properly funded. I always, uh, as Lori's told me, I don't ever want to have to think about, are we okay to do these things? Like traveling is one of the things we right. really wanted to do in RE, but buying a laptop, if money's that tight, we're going to hold off on buying a new laptop. But totally. in most cases, okay, we'll go into the cash allocation and we'll buy the laptop that we need. I yeah. mean, that that's that's the kind of middle ground that we've come to. And honestly, I'm pretty comfortable with it. Three Wait, years it, ago, I was not. Is there a cutoff then? We didn't set a dollar amount or anything yeah. like that. I, But I, it was fine. just kind of like what felt right to us. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should be modeling things like roof replacement and car you know, replacement, which is much less frequent than anything else we're talking about. Just pop those numbers into the safe withdrawal rate toolbox, right, from our earlier episode, and then just have that be in there as withdrawals that come at some frequency and just, you know, model the overall withdrawal based on that instead of funding them explicitly here. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I was thinking about that might be something I could do. Yeah. I mean, as a margin of uh, planning and safety to it, probably it's more... Yeah granular than this but yeah i don't know man yeah i have no idea i haven't I, done it obviously i'm not following the fritz plan uh which i do like a lot fritz gilbert where he you know puts you know has these bigger buckets for these you know large home repairs and i think he's got one for vehicles if i'm not mistaken there's merit to that i just haven't done it the deeper i get into this though i'm just like eh, i don't know if that's how i want to spend my time man <laughs> Nah, just, I don't know if that's good value, but I do want to talk about the vacation category, <laughs> yes. man, because this is the largest uh, percent in this category for me. It's 44%. It's 15% of my total spend. Um, so where does it sit for you? Total spend, we're almost the same, minus 14%. Okay. It's a larger percentage of my category, but it's also, I think, presently largely driven by the out-of-pocket medical sinking funds difference. So minus 63% of the category for vacation. Yep. Okay. So 15% of the total. So we're we're pretty well aligned here, right? And yeah. I, I don't think I, even my budget, when I was first going through this and I was reviewing this with Laura, I was saying, okay, how's this feel to you? You know, the, the real actual numbers that we're using. Yeah. And, and she's like, I don't know. The thing that this tells me is like, do we have enough allocated for our travel budget? Um, and I know yours is adjusted up too. Did you have a similar discussion with Lori? Yeah, we did. So, you know, following our safe withdrawal uh, episodes, I went back into the budget. You know, I, I, I took your <laughs> feedback to heart, you yeah. know, as I generally do. I don't, I don't always discount it. No, I, uh, I took it to heart. I really went in and looked at 
how much we spend, you know, not playing this game of like, honestly, it, it seemed to me like I was just playing it way too safe, leaving more money in the portfolio versus just bringing it out into a sinking fund. I did the math on like the interest that I was gaining, you know, in my money market of fidelity versus my, my uh, savings account that I hold sinking funds. And I'm like, well, this is just stupid. Right. Right. So I properly funded vacation. And more importantly, I went in and looked year by year at what we've been spending and had a conversation with Lori and we agreed to increase the funding. And it was the right thing to do. And it feels really good now. Honestly, it was giving me hesitation um, that I was you know, explicitly underfunding this, knowing I was going to end up taking more money out anyway. So that was crazy mental accounting. I 100% agree. But I do worry, and I want to talk about this with you, that we're still planning for like today's vacations. Yeah. And what if in the future we have very different interests and needs or we get into cruising or these other really expensive things? Like, does that keep you up at night? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it's something that I'm starting to think about only because you're pointing it out, but I'll tell you where this really, <laughs> this really hit me when I started to look at some of the medical premiums and how they increase. Yeah. They, they do not increase in a linear fashion. <laughs> it's very scary. The older you get, you know? The curve goes way up. So, so you're doing like the Medicare math and stuff and looking at those no, premiums? Really, I mean, I started looking at it because I was like, well, geez, yeah. you know, how do I need to account for this adjusting over time? Does it just adjust with inflation? No, it does nope. not adjust with inflation. So taking your inflation adjustment every year is not going to cover those medical ones, you know, but speaking to the, the vacation piece, it's just, it's more reason to kind of buffer your your withdrawal a little bit, your withdrawal rate, because man, I don't know. I don't know how to account for this, man. If I think about my college funds, those, those funds, they're going right into the travel budget because I just want to be yeah. able to do as much as I can. Um, especially totally. when we're young, you know, I mean, you think, I don't know if you've read that book die with zero, but it's, it's making the rounds of it's, uh, it know. is making the rounds. It's on my list. I haven't read it, yeah. but the concept is something I'm thinking about a lot. Yeah. And it's just, you know, spending certain, amounts of money at certain decades and times in your life when it makes right. the most sense, you know, getting the highest dollar value out of your money at whatever age range you're in, you know, I mean, we're not going to be climbing the Himalaya when we're <laughs> in our eighties probably. So if you want to do right. that kind of thing, it makes sense to spend upfront. And so I really want to find a way to, um, be, be more intelligent about the spend in this category, you know, for yeah. cruising. I, th I see that kind of stuff happening maybe a little bit when we get a little bit older, you know, yeah. and maybe by that point, our portfolio is just on one of those Seafire Sim. Oh yeah. Curves, right? <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> hey, Eric here with two sides of Fi. checking in with a quick request. Jason and I love making this show and sharing our conversations, but we need your help spreading the word. The best way to do that is to give us a quick rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And if you know someone on the Five Path, please hit that share button on your favorite episode. Every little bit helps. Thanks. Well, what are you thinking? Are you uh, are you padding this at all? Well, honestly, Eric, here's here's a fun conversation. Um, you know, you can't have it both ways. You've been pushing me to increase my withdrawal rate, which I did. Yes. But now I've taken away padding. That makes me feel comfortable about exactly this kind of topic. So now I'm going to have to go in and go model Medicare premium it's, increases. It's still fail safe. You still you're still at the fail safe nah, range, aren't you? I know, I know, I know. But you, <laughs> but but something I've pointed out before, and I know I'm not the only one doing this based on feedback we've gotten in the comments. You know, underspending, under withdrawing, sometimes to ridiculous degrees. I I agree, right? I've taken the feedback. You know, it gives you sort of mental 
kind of safety nets. And, you know, it's, you know what I mean? That's still an adjustment for me. Yes, yeah. I have a safe withdrawal rate. No, I get it. Um, it's not fail safe. It's not zero, oh, okay. but you know, it's very low. Yeah. No, I, theoretically, I, the thing about the, <laughs> it's not. when I, when I read a bunch of those comments, you know, there's a lot of people who were sitting in your camp saying, Hey, yeah, I, I feel this, you know, I'm this kind of person. Yeah. And, uh, they basically were saying, wait, we just wait till Eric gets there. He's not going to spend the money. Yeah. And, I saw that. I'm fighting every, every step <laughs> of the way, man. <laughs> I'm going to spend it. Yeah, I, I spend think it. you are. <laughs> I think you are. And I've, I'm learning from your example. It'll be fun when, I mean, the tables can't turn because I'm already there. Yeah, You're yeah. just going to be the new one to it. <laughs> right. But I am very interested in seeing <laughs> what happens in year one versus year two. Maybe you only have a shaky like three months instead of like first year or two. Like, you know, you'll just accelerate it. But I feel like most of us go on this journey. I, I, I'm sure it'll happen, man. I, I feel a little bit insulated because of the business. Um, yeah. yeah. That's and that's help. the thing, right? Like once, once you turn the faucet of the paycheck off. Mm, that's scary. I can, I can feel that. It's a different It's place. a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, vacation looks like we can go on vacation together, man. We can, <laughs> we're you know, we say well we're going to do it. We got to make it happen. <laughs> Everybody wants to see two sides of fire on the road. Oh man. It's going to happen soon. All right. I'm up for it. All right. Let's talk about, let's talk about even more fun. Let's go into discretionary. Right. I mean, discretionary is, is one of my favorites besides okay. uh, the vacation part of sinking funds, but it, it's basically equivalent to what I spend on variable expenses and sinking funds. 21%, uh, also about $1,100 out of the $5,000 budget. How about you? Mine's only 13%, man. <laughs> What the heck? I'm not What's having the dollar as, amount on that. I'm ha not having as much fun as you no are. No way, man. You got to do better. 650 bucks on this. Maybe I'm just spending all what? that all that uh, money elsewhere. <laughs> Wait, you've been the one encouraging me to spend more. So I think we need to we need to work on your budget a little bit. And maybe it's just the you're right and I'm wrong here. I, I'm going to get stranded with medical expenses someday. Well, but, I got uh, freaked out about my medical man. That's uh, our big difference here. I know. I right? used to be really freaked out about it too. Uh, but now I figure like, hey, man, worst case, I spend up to the out-of-pocket maximum that year. It's not going to keep happening, probably. And if it does, I got to change the whole budget, and that's going to make sense. But yeah. How should I bump up my spending here? I've got dining, alcohol, entertainment. That's at 9% of my total budget. I don't know. Does that need to go up anymore? What's yours? Um, so out of that 1100 about 70% of it is you know, dining out at restaurants, all, right, uh, yeah. all alcohol spending goes in here, whether it's for the home or out, uh, other entertainment, going to shows, theater. Yeah. I mean, things okay. you care about too, at least the going to shows part. Damn. I mean, that's an important category for us. Um, you know, the, the other stuff, there's some subscriptions in there, right? Streaming services, whatever. Yep. That's much smaller, right? It's only 1% of total budget or 7% of the category. Honestly, there's a long tail of stuff that I put into here. Uh, kind of some fun money that each of us have in the budget every month, right? Can spend without question. A few other things like that, that basically is the bulk of the remainder. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like I got some work to do here, man, but, but to be honest, I have so much, I have so much concert travel planned this year. It's ridiculous. And yeah, I, well, so maybe I need, maybe I just need to go back and, uh, <laughs> recalculate. <laughs> we bought tickets to see Duran Duran. Okay. This is not a show I'd ever thought I Dude, would. They miss. are so good live. I are gotta they? tell you, you're going to be happy. <laughs> They're very good live. So even we, now we bought it with friends of ours, you know, Love it. It, end of an evening, we're like, Oh, we should go see these guys. And sure enough, they're touring, but you know, they're old enough where they realize that the audience, what, what kind of cash the audience has. So it's they're stupid expensive, man. 
Like, yeah, I mean, hey, I understand. I, we just spent a ton of money going to see Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks to date myself even more than Duran Duran. And that's because <laughs> my teenager is into the retro. So, uh, okay. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go see those two. So I did. And it was a lot of money. But hey, like you said, die with zero. We're having making memories now and having a great time. And I know that's how you feel about shows. Totally, man. Yeah, we're going. Maybe to... you wouldn't pick Duran Duran first. You'd rather have Metallica. But hey, it's all good. You're going to see them, too. Yes, yeah. Uh, and we're also, Lamb of God and Pantera. I've never seen Pantera before. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you, you got all bases covered. No insane clown posse? I'm seeing them this... The, the, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Steel Pole Bathtub is on tour. Hey, you oh, know what? Candlemass is on tour. <laughs> Indestructible Noise Command. Dude, I think they self-destructible noise commanded. I really hope somebody in our audience likes any of those acts, because it'll be amazing. Can't hey, I've got a question about your uh, discretionary budget. Do you still have uh, a cleaning service in here? My cleaning service went went in there, yeah. Okay, so talk about that because this is this is truly discretionary, but is it it must be important. You've left it in the budget. Well, no, I had it under fixed in the first round of this budget and you're like, "Dude, really? That's a fixed expense?" <laughs> like, let's think about the discretionary category as being yeah. things you could possibly cut. And I'm thinking, "Oh, yeah, that's a good point." Cuz right now you're working, you don't have a lot of time, you know, we prioritize that pretty high, being able to have a clean house to come home to. Yeah. When we are retired, maybe not so important, right? Our two teenage mess mess hounds leave, you know, maybe we've got a cleaner house anyway. So I kind of cut the, uh, I cut it in half. Okay. So it's every other week and um, I still kept it in there. But I mean, I think the point with all this discretionary stuff is like times get tight. You can do a little cutting in this category. It looks like you have more room to cut than I do. Yeah, I do. I, and, you know, and we set it up that way from the start. And if there's one category Lori's been a big advocate for and in and in our last round of budget work, she put even more money in. It's this one. Yeah, cool. It's because she doesn't like the idea of having to think about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about in the safe withdrawal rate part two episode, you know, she does not want to be in the situation where, you know, her or our kid are like, hey, we, let's go out to dinner tonight. And I'm like, ooh. But just a little tight, guys. Uh, not going to be doing that. I mean, like, why did we do this? Right, like, why right. did we go on this path and and make the sacrifices we did? If you know, someone's like, well, let's spend fifty bucks on like takeout Chinese food, and Dad's like, I don't think so, kids. Budget. <laughs> right. It's funny. No, I. It's funny because I asked Laura. I said, Are you feeling constrained by any spending right now? And um, you know, she's there was a few things that came up. She's like, well, sometimes I feel a little guilty if I buy some extra clothes, you know, and it's shoes, man. It's always shoes. Oh yeah. It's shoes. Yeah, for no, sure. It's shoes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, and then when you travel, you know, you're going to have the travel outfits and like, I don't get uh, that. I don't have travel outfits. I don't have travel. I got, outfits. I got like this. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you are pretty consistent. Let, let, lest our audience be confused otherwise. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you got to make room for that stuff, right? That's so she's telling me that's a constraint. Just like Lori was telling you. We want to go out to eat more. You got to dial it up. And so like, I, I love having done this exercise because it's taught me some things I'm learning from you and how you've set up your budget, which seems to be pretty smart in several of these categories. And you know, this is another spot where I'm just going to revisit and say, okay, does this make sense? Like this is a spot where I actually should be bumping this up a little bit. It's nice comparing yeah. these kind of percentages, even though we've, you know, we've normalized this to that $2 million budget. And yeah. it's just nice to seeing kind of where you're, where you're filling the the buckets here. Did did anything change from your original pre-fi budget once you got into uh, RE? 
Yeah. I mean, so first of all, the absolute amounts have increased. They didn't increase okay. at all for the first almost two years. I didn't take an inflationary adjustment in yeah. year two until we were pretty late in the year. And then this year, um, that amount went up again. So I'm, I'm up more than 20% overall. Uh, but that is largely about me releasing some of the constraints, you know, in partially in response to some of our recent conversations, partly in response to conversations I've had with Lori and just, you know, being a little more realistic about safe withdrawal. So that's the biggest change. I think other than that, it's been about the granularity of my budget, which yep. is feedback, you know, I rightfully took again from you, but also just I realized I wasn't benefiting from the level of granularity I was tracking. And I also understood my spending a lot better. So I realized I could collapse things. Not only has that been really effective and made it easier for me to budget, it also made it much easier for me to summarize for an exercise like this. So it makes it easier for me to talk to other people, you, Lori, anybody who I would be talking about my budget with, makes it much easier to have that conversation. Um, but the flip side, if I'm being honest, is in losing some of that granularity, I'm now a little more cognizant that any trend changes could be masked um, by just looking at top level. And so I don't mean that that's like, created a whole bunch of new work for me, but I, it does sort of like, at least it's now in my head. Well, if I see anything change, you know, maybe I should look at kind of by, you know, vendor. Don't right? you think and that's good? I think it is good. I, <laughs> I, I think, think, I think I'm just going to step in here and say it's super healthy because yeah. you know, you're focused on the details and I've been guilty of this in the past too. Like, you know, okay. gr grubbing about little yeah. tiny expenses. And then like you see the seed of, of discontent that's planted when you do that. Right. It's like, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, yeah, your partner's no, looking right. at you like, really, really? <laughs> yeah. So no, I think that's a good, good positive change. So would you say that the, the inflation increase went to primarily two categories, vacation and dining out slash entertainment? Yeah, I would say so. I did increase okay. our, our uh, variable expenses a little bit. Okay. Uh, some of that, I think, was just cost of groceries, for example, going up and some home goods. Um, and that's, you know, that's normal. That's something I, you know, was probably tighter on last year than I should have been. And taking that adjustment definitely made that better. Do you think there'll ever come a time when you don't hold a budget? I love this question, honestly. And I'm pausing because I, I'm not sure the best way to answer it. Yes, I really do think it's going to get a lot softer. I don't know when I could get to the point that, you know, Fritz Gilbert talks about where it's like he funds his whole year and put, basically puts it in checking and just spends out of that. It doesn't sound like there's any budgeting or detailed kind of accounting that's happening, um, at least the way I understand him describe it. He said seven I, minutes a quarter. Yeah, I don't know if I can get quite to that level. I love the idea, and I know Lori would be thrilled because if she sees me out with the budget, I always wonder if she's like, oh, how much time are you spending on this? Do I think I will always be at this level? Honestly, I don't. I think I will get just that much more comfortable. Our spending will become more consistent. Maybe it's lumpier in the beginning, but um, I think it will, but I honestly can't tell you that I know when that is. So what about for you? So you've done this budgeting exercise. Um, what do you think it's going to look like when you get started? Um, you know, post RE and how quickly will that change if at all? I think we'll maintain this for a little while. I kind of think of the, the crossing the finish line of Phi as this focusing point. So yeah. as we get closer to it, you know, you got to have certain things in place. And then as you cross that threshold yeah. and you move further away from it, it probably goes more out of focus. That's kind of how I'm thinking of it. But a budget for me has never been more than setting a course direction. 
I, I, yeah. I am never going to get in this thing and like dial the numbers up and down to the $50 amount. I'm just like, not going to do it. It's, it's not a productive use of my time. Um, no, so I yeah, get that's kind of how I see it, but it's nice having done the exercise just cause I know for you in the same way that, you know, if something is looming out there as a potential trend curve in the wrong direction, like, Oh, uh Oh, spending's going, going off the rails for me, yeah. having this budget here is a, is a suggestion that I got it mostly figured out. There's not things I'm forgetting, you know, unless yeah. you had looked at mine and said, Oh, there's something missing here. No, nothing at nothing at a high level. I think, you know, the same challenges exist for all of us. Um, and they're much more challenging the younger we are, not older like us. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, projecting future spending is difficult. I think about the biggest thing you and I have hit on unsurprisingly, that is, less known today is just will our vacation desires and therefore spending change and what will our medical expenses look like in the future and we can't really know those um doing some kind of back of the envelope modeling is probably really smart and accounting for extra spend as we've talked about you know when doing our safe withdrawal rate mapping is also probably really smart um but it's impossible to know what it will look like and i think i'm okay with that and uncertainty because i don't feel like it's all over the map I feel like it's largely focused in a couple areas. Yeah. And I, we're also not accounting for any expensive hobbies that you and I may adopt. It's true. <laughs> you know, Laura and I went down to visit the family in Florida and uh, we, we stopped by her aunt and uncle's place and he has this radio controlled sailboat collection. And I'm like, oh man. Oh, and anytime I see anything radio controlled, I'm like, I gotta have it. I gotta have it. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I'm like so sick about that stuff. Have you ever seen I, these these uh, remote control sailboats? I have. They're oh, really impressive. They're so sick. Yeah, but, and they're they're probably a lot easier to deal with than say model uh, radio controlled airplanes, which I got into briefly because I I love everything aviation. But thankfully, that's harder than I want to put the time into to yeah. get good at. So I'm just yeah. like, well, I'm okay. That, I want to get into those giant scale model rockets, <laughs> the ones that you need like permits to like quarter scale. Yeah, I mean, they're just enormous. That's dangerous, man. I mean, is it? What if you're far away? It's not that dangerous. Come on, I'm a trained scientist. I, we can do this. Yeah, right. It tips over, and, and it's this giant firework <laughs> heading into your neighborhood. <laughs> Beware, anyone living near Jason. Jeez. <sighs> what else was there? Oh, yeah, model railroading, man. I'm definitely yeah. getting back into that. I know you are. That's going to be... That's a future hobby. That's not a. That's not life energy's best spent when I'm in my fifties, probably. That's right. Yeah. When you, you know, it's about the time that whittling starts to sound like a good use of time. That I think model railroading really increases in uh, desirability. Stop it. You know, one thing in my budget, Jay, that um, you know, you flagged the last time you and I discussed this was, if we're going to be living part of the time elsewhere, yeah, I need to account for that in some way in the fixed ex expense. And I was thinking maybe when that college expense goes away, that's where that's kind of the placeholder for that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I think that's a really important thing to think about if that's something you're going to prioritize. And I think so. Yeah. Starting with any kind of starting point is something right. You know, you yeah. need a placeholder, put a little work into it. And if it becomes a priority, then it's worth putting a little more work into, right? Make it real. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, an example, you know, related, but a little different that Lori and I were talking about recently is, you know, we have this idea and I know you're interested in it too, of, you know, spending months abroad, for example, yes. and maybe doing that, you know, a few times a year, perhaps while maintaining, you know, a, a permanent residence too. And so I did the math of like, well, what would that look like if we're not in our home? You know, what expenses 
are no longer needed, what stay with the house, you know, certain basal utilities and taxes, et cetera. And then I just said, well, all that, you know, normal shopping we do and food shopping and blah, 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 all those things just becomes now part of our budget for living somewhere else. And that actually gave us some clarity on, you know, what could we spend over that period of time? And even just the the little bit of time it took, I mean, maybe a half an hour thinking about it was a great starting point for conversation about, okay, well, what could that actually look like? Where could we go on that kind of budget? And would we need to make other trade-offs if we wanted to do something a little more elaborate? Um, so I don't know if you and Laura have thought about that yet, but um, having the real data in the budget for me made that so much easier. Yeah, I, I mean, we're definitely considering that as a life plan, as you and I uh, have both talked about. But uh, yeah, I haven't put a lot of bounds on it yet, man. That's the, But it's nice having, yeah, that variable spend is going to track with you, right? That's exactly it's nice having that category. But yeah, are you going to rent rent the home? Don't know. Um, okay. I mean, obviously that would change the calculus completely yeah, right. if we were doing home exchange or, yeah. uh, you know, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing in, options. in here is like the, the, your home is this asset, right? <laughs> and, uh, you can either let it, let it just be passive or you can turn it into something. And, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely something to consider. I mean, we, we made the choice to pay our home off because for us that provides a level of padding to all these numbers that, and a level of comfort um, that we didn't have before doing that. And I, I, I'm so happy that we did it, even though it's not the most financially optimized decision. It made so much room and headspace for us to be able to, to make yeah. the moves we're making now. So I know it's not totally. the right choice for everybody. But yeah, it's nice to think about that as another chess piece here. Absolutely. No, it's, a, it's an excellent point. All right, I'm just going to wad this budget up and throw it in the trash now. Throw it out, man. Now, I would save it. You don't have to revisit it anytime soon, but you know, you put the work into it. Don't delete it. Yeah. Or give it to Laura. She'll gonna, hold on. Are we actually going to upload these things for people to see, or does nobody care? I don't know if they care, but I think we should definitely put them in the show notes, and maybe you'll flash them up at key points in the episode. And uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, honestly, Eric, obviously everyone's life and their priorities are different, and costs are different everywhere, and the way people think about priorities is different. So uh, my thought about making the budgets available is at least people can see a framework. This is maybe uh, something they could take as a starting point if they're not already budgeting. If they are budgeting and just want to see, you know, on a relative percentage basis how we're thinking about these expenses, maybe there's utility in that. So yeah, let's make them available. And if the percentages change between when we talked about this and what you see online, too bad. No, we're sorry, is what Eric needs to say. Uh, <laughs> life is fluid, as are the numbers. <laughs> We've been known to lie about our numbers before. I don't know about lie. I think maybe misrepresent <laughs> that we were going to share them. That's true. Clickbait. Been accused of that a few times. All right, should we share our numbers now? I mean, for no. everyone who waited till the end of this episode, we're just going to give you a great surprise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is just for our members. Members only conversation. Members only conversation. The actual members. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. Two Sides of Fi.